How you guys doing this morning? All right, happy, uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, I am personally glad to be back this morning. Last week, Kate and I, we decided we we're going to sneak away and take the kids. We went down to D.C. area, Northern Virginia, um, where her brother lives. And so we, got, we were able to spend some time with them. He's actually getting ready to move to Slovakia, wherever that is in the world. <laughs> and, uh, and so we knew we, weren't be, we wouldn't be able to see him much. So we snuck down there uh, last week. And it's kind of good to get away sometimes. You guys, we all understand that. Uh, we only had one kid puking all over the car going there. And so I count that as a win. We've had more. But, uh, but yeah, so I can honestly say I'm glad to be back this morning too. So uh, here at Grace for the last few weeks, the last five weeks or so, we have been really studying and diving into the book of James. And really, we say book, but it's actually a letter that a guy named James, he was actually Jesus's little half-brother, wrote to a bunch of Christian people. The church is brand new. It's 2,000 years ago, right after Jesus is resurrected. And, uh, and the church is just starting. And James writing to, to all the Christians saying, hey, this is how you live the Christian life. Okay, and that's one of the things I like about James the most is it is extremely practical. He's just like, just do this. Don't do this. Do that. Don't do that. It's just, it's just super simple, very hard for us to actually do it, but super simple for us to understand. James is so practical. It's almost like those of us in here who are Christians, which is all of us, I'm sure, but, uh, but we're trying to live the Christian life. We're trying to live the life that God has called us to live. And here's James. He's just like, oh, oh you want to live the Christian life? I'm going to write you an owner's manual for that. And that's what the book of James is. And so it's very practical for our life. And, it's, and he goes over stuff that every single one of us struggle with. And the thing that we're going to be talking about today is something that I think every single person in this room, Christian or not, doesn't matter. Um, every single one of us, this is the biggest thing I think that we struggle with. And I don't think we know it. All right? I don't think we recognize it in our life. And, uh, and so we're going to be talking about today... Something that we all just fail at miserably, and we're going to be talking about our words. Um, we've all had those horrible moments in our life where we have been speaking to somebody, and we've said something that it's like we talk before we think, and it's like our brain finally catches up, and we're like, oh no, it's like you're reaching out for those words that you just said, but you can't do anything about it because they're already, already out there. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, all right, we, we do this, yeah, we do this all the time. Um, I remember one time in college, the, uh, we're all, at, we're all in, in the cafeteria, all at a big table, and me and my friends, and for some reason that day, I don't know why, I don't know what the deal was, but we were talking about death, okay, as college students, we were talking about like life expectancies, and, and how long we're going to live, and what we think, and and, uh, and how women get to live longer than men, how that's not fair, just all this kind of stuff. So we're all talking about this stuff. And, uh, and there's this girl who we all knew. She was sitting at our table. Um, she was kind of sitting a, a couple seats away. And she wasn't, like, really part of the conversation. So me being the really, really, really nice guy that I am and also a really smart guy that I am, I kind of reached out to her. And for some reason, I, I stated the question this way. I don't know why I did it. I would take it back if I could. But I said... Hey, Sam, what's your life expectancy? I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. And she didn't, like, smile at me. She was, it was, she kind of gave me a serious look, and she was like, you mean what I think or what the doctors say? 
And at that moment, we're all like shouting over each other and yelling at each other and just laughing. And at that moment, the whole table is like silent, super awkward. And I'm like, uh, what you think? You know, how do you answer that question? You can't answer that question. And so she went on and told me that the doctors were saying three years, but she thinks it would be a lot longer than that and just, just all this stuff. And uh, you guys, maybe not something exactly like that, maybe, but we've done that before. We said something where just like, I would give anything to take that back and not be in this situation right now because I'm an idiot with my words, right? Okay. All right. Good. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about today, in a sense. James has so much to say about this subject. It's almost like James knows that every single one of us, that most of us, this is our, this is our biggest issue. Okay, and again, I would, I would say, and I think it's fair to say that for all of us, especially us as Christians, I think this is the, the thing that we are the worst at in our life, right? And James is kind of going to talk about that. So that's where we're going today. And uh, before we get rolling, let me just say this. Today, as we're going through this, I'm not talking about your wife's mouth, I'm not talking about your husband's mouth. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not talking about your coach. I'm not talking about anything like that. We're going to be talking about you, okay? We're talking about our mouths, the words that, that we say. I think it's our tendency as a really good Christian to come in here in church every Sunday. We sit down in the seat. You know, we're all comfortable. We know we got our, we got our certain spot. I know how, how we are. And we're sitting there, and we hear what the Bible, what God has to teach us for the day. And a lot of times we think to ourselves, we're like, we have this tendency. It's like, oh, man, I really wish my boss would hear that today. You know, or this person really needs to hear that. You know what I mean? We all do that. We, we, we do that. Don't do that today. Okay, that's, that's my challenge to you. I don't want you to do that today. Don't think about your boss. Don't think about your wife. Don't think, well, you know, don't think about, you know, all, all the people that are harming you. Let's say that. I want you to think about your mouth and your words. All right, we're all on the same page here. Okay, let's get rolling. James, we're already in chapter 3. We're so excited. All right, we're making some progress. James chapter 3 has been a long time. Here we go. James chapter 3, verse 1. He says, not many should become teachers. Now, the word teachers here, he's not talking about those of you who are teachers at Tiffin or teachers at Old Fort or Hopewell or Seneca East, wherever you guys all are at. He's not, he's not talking about teachers in school. Actually, what he's talking about is he's talking about teachers within the church. So doing what I'm kind of doing right now. So he says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Not my favorite verse in the Bible. I'll be honest. I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, but this applies to a lot more people within this room than just me, okay? What he's talking about if, is if you teach the Bible anywhere within the church setting, okay, if you're teaching the Bible, he said, hey, this is, this is you. So for those of you, if you teach uh, a class or a group sometimes, a, a men's group or ladies group or whatever that might be, this applies to you. Right? If you uh, are a leader within one of our small groups, which we're going to get started back up this fall, um, if, if that's you, I mean, if, if you've done that, I mean, he's talking, he's talking to you. If you fill in for somebody once in a while, well, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not the main person, but if, if you fill in for somebody once in a while, this, this applies to you. If you are a teacher within Grace Kids, this applies to you. Me, this applies to me. This replies to especially to AJ. I heard what you had to say last week, AJ, about uh, drifting off during my messages. So uh, you'll be judged for that. Stricter judgment. 
And uh, focus in, okay? I know that's what you want to hear. That's what you have to keep telling yourself. Focus back in, AJ. Focus back in, AJ. So I'll be looking at you a lot today. <laughs> but let's talk about this real quick. What's he saying here? The Bible tells us that once we start a relationship with God, that God moves into our life and our eternity in heaven is fixed. Okay, it's done, it's set, it's ready to go. And we do that, the Bible's like super simple, all right? To get that done or to start that relationship with God, all we have to do is ask. Very easy. You have to invite God into your life. And when you do that, the attitude behind that is you are giving up control of your life to God. Not saying that once we start that relationship with Jesus, that we try to pull back control. We all do that. Okay, that's a part of it. We struggle with that, every single one of us. But we, we invite God into our life, and, uh, and everything, everything is rosy in the fact in between, with our relationship with God and where we're going to end up for eternity and all that t- type of stuff. But we still have work to do. And so that's what James is pointing out in his letter. He's saying, hey, the way we live our life, it still matters. So as a Christian, you know, you, it's, it's not you do all this good stuff to impress God. It's, hey, you realize you're a horrible person. And so you go to God and say, hey, please take me in. And God's like, yeah, I'll do it. But at the end of your life, He's saying God's still going to evaluate your life, not whether you get to go to heaven or hell, but he still evaluates it. And so James is telling us, he's saying, hey, if you're a teacher at church, God's going to evaluate your life harder than everybody else. Kind of scary. I think that's one of the reasons why James says you need to be quick to listen slow to speak, that we talked about weeks ago at the beginning of his letter. This should make us think twice before we talk, all right? I think a lot of times, well, really what God has given us is he's given us a pause button in our life, quick to listen, slow to speak. But I think the thing that he hasn't given us is he has not given us a rewind button. I think that's what a lot of us wish we, we had. It's like, well, you know, if God would have done this, he hasn't given us a rewind button, but he has given us a pause button. Say, hey, you need to stop, you know, hold up, just take a step back. Are you sure you want to say what you're about to say? That's what we should be thinking about. We need to think before we talk. And the problem is when we get up and teach, we, we are using the most dangerous part of our body. Our most dangerous weapon, in a sense. And James is going to explain that. So first, he gives us this quick warning to teachers. He's like, by the way, for what I'm about to say, teachers, this is especially on you. But this is for all of us. Check this out. He even says it. He says, hey, for we all stumble. So now, he's not just talking to me. He's not just talking to AJ. He's not just talking to you teachers who are teaching here at church. Now he's talking to everybody. He's like, hey, okay, you guys, it's it's going to be stricter for you. But for everybody in church, all all of us Christians, he says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's like, man, he is mature. He's saying, hey, all right, if, uh, if, if you live your life in such a way that you, that, that you don't, you know, trip up on what you say, that you control your mouth and you don't mess up in any way with what you say and, and you control your words, he's like, whoa, that's impressive. You are so mature. You are a mature Christian. You have reached another level. And if you can control your mouth, and if you can control what you say, he's like, you're also able to control the whole body. 
okay, if you could control this part of the body, this tiny little piece, your, your mouth, he's like, you could control everything. You should have everything in your life under control. Right? Interesting, he says that. And then he's going to give us three examples, just in case we don't quite understand what he's saying. He says this, next verse. He says, now, think about this. How, well, first of all, we got any horse people in here? Not in here. Okay, yeah, there's some that are, okay, we got, we got a few of you guys. No one wants to raise their hand, that's fine. Um, no one wants to admit it, I guess. But uh, he's like, hey, if there's horse people out there, you, you like horses, you can have horses, all that kind of stuff. He's like, hey, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, he's like, think about it. We direct their whole bodies. So it's interesting, when you ride a horse, the horse is controlled just because of this five-inch piece of metal that you stick in their mouth. It's a bit really tiny compared to the giant horse. Now, in here, it doesn't sound like we have very many horse people, so we'll move on from this. Maybe we got some boat people in here. If you're boat people, he has one for you. He says, so think about this. Consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so here, James and his audience that he's writing 2,000 years ago to, he's thinking of a huge ship. I mean, you know, we, we, we understand this. A huge ship, you know, big mass, big sails, tons of cargo in there, literally tons of cargo, and a bunch of people living on there for months at a time. That's what he's thinking of. And he's saying, hey, think about a ship like that. What controls it? Well, a tiny rudder compared to the size of the ship. Interesting. He's just pointing it out. Now he's going to connect it to our mouths. He says, so too. Though the tongue or the mouth or our words that we use, he says, is a small part of the body, man, it boasts great things, big things. He says, consider how small like a, a fire sets ablaze a large forest. This is something that we hear about on the news Every summer, you know, California is always burning down, it seems like, where someone starts a campfire, someone, you know, throws down a cigarette or a lighter or whatever it might be, a match, and it's like it turns into something that's uncontrollable, huge forest fire, where millions of acres are burned down, you know, just tons of money lost, all because of something so small. And so James is pointing out to us, he's saying, hey, look at how something so small can make such a big impact. It's crazy. He says that's the same thing with our mouths. It's the same thing with our words. And our words are powerful. I mean, our words are so, 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 so powerful. If you don't listen to anything else I have to say, AJ, for the rest of the message, okay, and this is what I want you to walk out remembering. Your words, the things that you say, are way more powerful than you understand. I mean, they're so powerful. They mean a lot. I can't even, you know, explain it. I mean, our words impact. Think about it. Self-confidence, whole childhoods, the way we think, what we do. Our words, words have impacted the way that we look at ourselves in the mirror every morning. It's all impacted by words. And our problem is we struggle with controlling our words. See, we take words, we use them the wrong way, we say things that we shouldn't say, and then we say things like, well, you know, that's not, that's not what I meant, or that didn't come out right, or hey, I, I didn't intend to hurt them. I didn't know that was going to hurt them that way. And then what we do, all of us, is we take more words and we try to explain and defend the first words that we, that we have, you know, sent out. And then we are shocked when they're not immediately better. And then we say really stupid things like, hey, I said I was sorry. And when we're doing that, what we're doing is we're implying that, hey, 
why aren't you better? Like, like, it should be taken care of. This shouldn't be a big deal for you. It's like we just spent paragraphs of words tearing someone down, and then we think that one word, the word sorry, usually will just fix everything. That's not reality. That's not how it works. That'd be like me, after the service, going out to my car, waiting for the perfect person, one of you, and then gunning, running you down in my car, running you over, I won't do this, and then getting out of the car, walking to the back, and then watching you lay there on the pavement, bleeding out, or actually the rocks, okay, You're, we got rocks here, we're laying there out on the rocks, you're bleeding out, and me just saying, I'm so sorry, and then expecting you to be all better, right, this, this, this doesn't work that way, you're still just as injured as you were, see, the word sorry it cannot erase what has already been said. I mean, it would be nice, though, right? Wouldn't that be nice if we could say sorry? We say something, we're mad, we're angry at something. We just, it just, we don't think before we say, we just say something. Sometimes, a lot of times, we know this is going to hurt this person, we know this person's going to take it that way, but we say it anyway because of emotions and all kinds of stuff. And so we, we kind of send this dart of a word out there, and then, um, you, you know, and then, they're hurt and all that type of stuff. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just say, hey, I'm sorry, and then they just don't remember what we said? But that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. It's not what happens. See, we got to understand that our words are not equally weighted. Like, words just aren't. I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just true. Like, hurtful words and criticism, they're just, they just weigh more. It's just how it is. Like, I could say... You could go say a hundred good things to somebody and always be nice to somebody, but you say one negative thing to, to, to them, that's the thing they're going to remember. It just weighs more. See, God says that actually in reality, we're a lot like clay, okay? We're a lot like a piece of clay, like this piece of clay right here. Um, we are molded and shaped, and actually when we start a relationship with God, that's what God starts doing in our life. He starts shaping us and molding us the way that he wants us to. But people, God's not the only one that, that shapes us. Words from people all around us also shapes who we are. And the words make a deep impression on us, po both positive words and negative words. And to be honest, I think the younger that we are, the softer the, the clay. Does that make sense? Okay, the younger we are, the softer the clay, we, we get shaped and molded easier. I mean, think about it. That's why some of you guys uh, can remember words that you heard as a child by your parents or teachers or your coach or, um, or that kid at school. And, uh, and they just kind of hit you. Like you, so many years later, like you just, you, you can still remember it. And so that's just because they hit you. You know, they made, a, they made an impact on you and it's, and, and it's, it's changed you a little bit. You're basically the same shape, but, but it, it, it has done something. Like, it has changed you, and it's still there. And some of you guys, it's made such an impression on you that for decades after those words were spoken, I mean, some people, they still feel stupid, ugly, fat, worthless. It's still a part of you. Actually, Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever have lived besides Jesus, um, is, uh, and he wrote in Proverbs chapter 12, um, 18, he said, there is one who speaks rashly, and this word rashly actually means you speak without thinking, and it's kind of negative, okay? So it's kind of mean, you're not thinking about what you're saying, you're speaking without thinking. He says, the one who speaks rashly is like a piercing sword. And he's got this idea of like, hey, 
you know, if you speak rashly, what, what you're doing is almost like you're swinging around this really sharp sword. You're just, you're just walking around swinging it. If you let go of it, it hits somebody, not a big deal. Or if you, if you accidentally cut somebody, that's not a big deal either. It's, you don't really care that much, and, and you're, just, you're just swinging this thing around. Actually, what, what he's saying is, he's like, hey, words, they make a big impact. It's not just they, they have a little dent. He's like, no, when someone says something to you that's kind of negative and that's, that's frankly just mean, He's like, it makes a big impact on you, right? Like, it makes, it makes a huge impact where it's, it's in there. And when that happens, whoa, it's stuck to the stool. I can't get it out. I'm so strong. There we go. Okay. He's like, when that happens, it makes such a big impact on you that it doesn't matter how, long, how good of a clay molder. I don't know what that, you know, whatever people are that work with this. Um, but, like, I can't get this back is what I'm saying. I can't put it back and make it perfect to what it was before. I can, over time, I can massage it all back and try to get it close, but that piece of clay is never going to be the same because of words, because of the impact that words make. It's the same thing with us in our life. We're never the same. So you know this in your own life because you've been hurt by Words. We all have. See, people have said things to you that have bothered you. Some of you guys, when people say things to you that, that, that hurt you or bother you, maybe you don't want to use the word hurt, whatever. Um, what you do is you just think about it over and over and over again. You argue with them in your head. You're like, ah, oh, I can't believe they said this. I should have said that. You know, all this type of stuff. And it, it like, like, be honest with yourself. Like, it, it bothers you. Like, it, it annoys you, bothers you, whatever it is. Some of you guys, you have been bothered by something that someone said to you from a long, 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 long time ago. And James is here telling us, he's saying, hey, he's writing this owner's manual. He's saying, this is how you live the Christian life. And you know how you feel when someone uses words against you. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's the issue with words. Words are powerful. The mouth is such a small part of the body, and words seem like, eh, no big deal. But he's like, they are a big deal. They're powerful. And the warning that James gives us is he's saying, hey, our tiny, little, insignificant, not a big deal words, man, they could cause some major damage in people. It's a big, big deal. In fact, the next verse, he says, the tongue... He says, the tongue is a fire. It's not a good thing. All right, some people say, oh, I'm a fire. No, that's not what he's talking about. Right, he's saying, the tongue, man, it's a, it's a fire. See, not only have we been hurt by words, but we have scorched people with our own words. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that. And many have burned the people that we love most, all of us, every single one of us. We've burned the people that we love most with our words, our kids, our spouse, our parents, our friends. And I know sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, I was just joking. It's not a big deal. I wasn't serious. Or maybe we have excuses like, well, I was just really, 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 really angry. And so you got to give me some grace for that. Or I was just drunk that night. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I, I, it, or it's just, I didn't mean it. That's, yeah, I know I said that, but that's not actually what I meant. See, even if you start a fire accidentally, you're still responsible for the fire that you started. James is saying, your mouth is like a fire. It's like the flame, just a little flame. Okay, not a big deal. We look at this, and, um, and it's like, you know, this looks harmless. Just one little flame. But if I wanted to, if I held it up next to your 
cheek or you know, arm or something, it would hurt you, right? Like it would burn you. It's not going to kill you, but it'll, it will hurt. But James, he's like, yeah, you can burn people, and we burn people all the time. But James is going, but you could do so much more. Like think about how a wildfire is started, just like what James already talked about. He's like, it starts from one little spark or one little flame. If I took this to California or someplace where it was super dry, you know, and I just lit some leaves or whatever, you know, it goes off. He's like, the issue is you can't control this flame after you light something with it. You can't control it. Out of your control. It's just going. And James is warning us. He's saying, I need you guys to understand when you're born, like you're born with the pilot light lit, ready to go, ready to burn. That's the issue. He says, your mouth is a fire. And so James, he's trying to get us to understand this. We're probably all on the same page here. But he's like, just in case you don't fully get it, what James ends up doing next is he takes us and he like drags us all the way down deep to the negative potential that's inside our, our mouths. The, he says, the tongue is a fire. And then he says, the tongue, it's a world of unrighteousness. Not good. Evil. He says, and it's placed among our members. He's saying, so we got this thing that's like evil that we use for evil all the time. And he's like, and it's part of us. There's nothing we can do. We can't take it off. You know, it, it, it's there. He says, it stains the whole body. So like when we say something to somebody that impacts them, we, maybe we do it on accident, maybe not, it doesn't really matter, it still, still happens. He's like, they don't look at you and say, wow, you have a bad mouth. They look at you and say, wow, you're a bad person. Or wow, you're a jerk. He's like, it, it affects the whole body. Like when you're a kid, you get in trouble, you mouth off to your parents, they don't just like, you know, put your tongue in time, or tongue, put your mouth in, in time out. Right? No, you, the whole body gets in trouble. Okay? He's pointing that out in case we have any questions. He's saying, hey, it stains the whole body and it sets the course of life on fire. And it is itself set on fire by hell. He's getting deep here. With the word hell, this isn't like he's talking about the place that the Bible talks about so frequently. He's talking about it's almost like it's a, um, it's a source of evil. I mean, think about it. Have you ever... Uh, said something where you wonder, like, where did that come from? You ever done that? You're like, whoa, that was, that was messed up. James is like, hey, I'll tell you. I know exactly where that came from. That came from within you. That came from inside of you. Because you, at the core, are evil. I, at the core, am evil. We are evil, messed up, broken people. Thank goodness God loves us and has a Savior. Next verse. He says, he says this, another example. He's like, so maybe you're not a horse person or a boat guy or firefighter. I don't know, fire thing. But, uh, um, but he's like, hey, think about this. Maybe you're an animal person. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, like start naming them off. Bird, reptiles, and fish, they've all been tamed. It has been tamed by humankind. Interesting. He's just, he's just pointing this out. Like, think about it. Um, most of us, we have dogs and cats at home that we've tamed, and that's easy. But mankind, we've tamed a lot harder animals than that. Like, we've tamed elephants and stuff, you know? Uh, we've tamed whales. I don't even know how you tame a whale. Like, how do you start taming a whale? Like, whale, little whale, because you probably start when they're young, you know, stay. 
you know, what, I don't know what you do with that or how, how that works, but we do it. People do it. I don't do it. But, uh, but he's like, think of all the animals that we've tamed. Just this past week, just last week, at, when we were in D.C., we went to the National Zoo. We took the kids. They want to go. And so we're all looking at one of the animals that we got to look at was the lions. Okay, so you got like two male big lions. And I'm looking at those things, and I'm like, that's a big animal. A little bigger than I think. You know, you think lions from like, I grew up with like Lion King and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, not a big deal. I'm like, that's a big, that's a big animal. And I don't know if you, any of you guys are like me, but this is just, because the kids are like watching and they just like stare at it for a long time and kind of boring. But, uh, but I'm standing there and as a guy, I think other people do this. I'm like, all right, what if that thing scaled this wall, got out, started mauling that guy over there and that girl over there? What would I do? Then I start kind of looking around for a weapon. Any of you guys do this? We're like, I'd grab that. I'd push that guy out in front, <laughs> grab my kid. You know, I, any of you guys do that? Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I do. It entertains myself. I don't know. And, um, and so I'm doing that. But, it, but what James is saying, he's not saying, hey, you know, oh, you've taken this line and you taught the line how to sit. Good job. Or you roll over lion. He's just not, it's not what he's talking about. He's talking about mankind. He's saying, mankind on this earth, we're top dog. Like, we are over the lions. Yeah, if we're out in nature, one-on-one, the lion will kill us. But he's just kind of pointing out, he's like, hey, it's interesting. Instead of running away from lions, we actually gather and flock to go see the lions as we sit there with our popcorn eating and going, that's a lion, you know. He's like, interesting, right? Like, mankind has tamed all sorts of animals, but no one can tame the tongue. So he's pointing this out. He's like, you've tamed Mankind, we've tamed whales and elephants, and we're the top, you know, we're the top of the food chain and all this stuff. He's like, but we can't even tame, tame the little thing in our mouth. We can't tame our mouth. He says, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We all got it. We're all the same. It's an issue. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. Woo, good. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Bad. He says, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. He says, my brothers and sisters, guys, these things should not be this way. He's like, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's so interesting that he, that he brings this up to me because it's so, so, so true. Because some of us in this room, we're going to do this exact same thing here today. What we're going to do is we come to church, we sing songs, we bless God in a sense. And we're singing songs to God and we talk nice to people and we're over, you know, talking here and talking there. We've got a smile. And then we get in our car. I know how it is. I've been there. And you get in our car, and then we start yelling at our kids. We start demeaning our spouse. We start complaining about this. We start complaining about that. We start doing all this stuff with our mouth. And, and James, he's just, he's just pointing out. He's like, hey, that's not how it's supposed to be. We start tearing people down at home, and we go to church the next day. We start tearing people down at church. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm just joking, or I'm just joking around. He's like, you're still doing it. See, both good and bad come out of our mouths. And James is just pointing out. He's just like, that's not right. Ain't right. And just in case we don't understand, he's like, does a spring pour out sweet water and bitter, sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Now, James, in his day, everybody's reading this letter, and they're all like, no, spring does not do that. But, well, okay, well, can a fig tree produce olives? And everybody's like, figs, olives, different. No, can't do that. So this is my brothers and sisters. Can a grapevine produce figs? And they're all like, grapes and figs. No, they 
is impossible. He says, neither can a saltwater spring, spring yield fresh water. He's like, you can't have saltwater and fresh water in the same. It's all, you know, it's all the same. It's all saltwater. And so he's just pointing out this. And then he stops. It's almost like he's saying, hey, if you don't, I've talked about horses. I've talked about animals. I've talked about, you know, rudders, ships, and fires, and all this stuff, and, and olives, and figs. He's like, if you don't get it now, man, you ain't going to get it. You're hopeless. You know, it's like that type of thing. He just stops and moves on to the next subject. And so James, he's just, he's just telling us, he's saying, hey, think about this, especially at the end. He's like, you say you love God, but then you treat the people who God loves horribly with your words. Sometimes to their face, most of the time behind their back. He says, you sing songs at church on Sunday morning, and then you go home or you go to work the next day with the same mouth. You're so demeaning, you're so critical, you're so sarcastic. And James is just like, hey, I'm just pointing this out. Um, James is super logical. He's just like, think about it. That's weird. That's weird. We bless God, we sing our songs, and then we go, and the same people that God loves so dearly we bring down. He's like, that's weird. That shouldn't be. That should be impossible. And I see our words are so powerful. I mean, divorce, murder, wars have been started because of words. See, the honest truth is, let's, let's get real here right at the end. The truth is, and we all know this to be true, whether we want to deny it or not, but there's things that you have said that we have said years ago that's still burning people. Stinks, right? I mean, I've been a pastor for 12 years, and um, the things by far that I regret the most is when I said the wrong thing or I said the wrong thing to the wrong people or, if I, or when I've used the wrong tone with what I've said. See, the problem for me personally is I do a lot of talking, Okay? in front of people, in front of a lot of people. And, uh, and that doesn't bode well necessarily for me. I was actually just talking with a guy uh, who's, who's in our church just this past week. And he, he, I don't know how we got on this subject, but he pointed out something that I said like a year and a half ago. And he was just like, yeah, you said this, remember? And I was like, and I was getting a little defensive. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I meant. Yeah, I may have said it that way. That's not what I meant to say. That, or that's not what I meant when I said it. You're taking it the wrong way. You need to go back and listen to the context. The context was this. And I started defending myself. And his point, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that's what you believe. I'm just saying that's what it sounded like. You're just pointing it out. See, the truth is we are gossips, we are liars, we are criticizers, we are all dumb with our words, including me, for sure me, 100% me. See, for me personally, it'd be so easy for me to come to church every Sunday and fake you guys out for a few hours and then go do my thing, you know, for the rest of the, for the, rest of the week but, uh, and, and act like everything's all good. But for me, my problem is my wife happens to go to the same church. So I can't do that, you know? It's an issue. Like, I'm messed up. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves this morning, simple question, so what do we do with this? Like, here's James. He's already said, you know, it's impossible to tame. He's like, you can't tame the tongue. You can't tame your mouth. You can't tame your words. So, so what do we do? Like, is there any hope? What's the deal? What's the issue here? And, uh, and I think there's a couple things that we should do and a couple things that we can do. And the, and the first one's this. I think 
every single one of us, including me, after we leave these doors today, I'm talking like today, right? At least start today. I'm not saying, you know, just get rolling on it. I think we need to take responsibility for the fires that we've started. Some of them may be decades old fires that we've started. We need to take responsibility for those. And let me just pull away one thing. We all understand, like we all get it, right? That we all have fires that we've started that are burning within people that we'll never know about because they don't want to say anything or because it's awkward. Like, like we get that, right? Like we've all said things that have hurt people and they're still hurt. I don't know if there's anything we can do about that. Something we've said in the past, we don't know about it. But if we all sit there and think, like actually try, we can all think of things that we've said to people, even if we didn't mean it, even if they took it the wrong way or whatever. If we're honest with ourselves, we can think of people in our life who we have burned with our words. And I think we just need to own it. I'm talking like a conversation with them. Like letting them know. It's not just like, okay, God, I own it. It's, no, it's you going to that person saying, hey, I said this. You know, I actually kind of meant that. Don't even defend yourself, actually. Just say, hey, I said this. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't the right, right way, you know, I, whether I meant it or not. I'm sorry. Now, saying sorry again doesn't erase it, but it does help. And I think taking ownership of the fires that we've started, in my limited experience, is just what I've noticed, when we do that, those fires start to go out on their own. Remember, they're already out of, out of your control. You can't control them. But I think, well, from what I've seen, they start to go out on their own. And so that's the first thing that we should all be doing. Whether you're a Christian or not, this really applies to everybody. All right, we should be doing that. The second thing is, man, we need to be careful with our words. Like, we need to be careful. We need to think before we talk, especially, let me just say this, especially if you are in a place of authority, like if you are an owner or a manager or a supervisor or a coach or a mom or a dad or a teacher or a grandparent or whatever, you know, you're in some leadership within our community, whatever that might be, you're in leadership within, you know, the factory or wherever you work, you're a team leader, and you're all those things, and you're a Christian, if you're a coach and a Christian, if you're a mom and dad and, and a Christian or a parent, you know, or a grandparent and a Christian, man, you better watch your words. Like, you gotta watch your words. You need to be careful from what you, about what you say because your words in, the place, in a place of authority, they weigh more. They just do. And so watch what you say. Like what James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Can I just point one more thing out to dads? This is Father's Day and all that stuff. But um, for you, I don't know why this is. You can argue. You could disagree with me if you want. I don't, I don't care. But dads, just from what I've seen, your words, for some reason, they just weigh more. Like they mean more at home with your kids. And so you need to be extremely careful with what you say. 
I think it's easier for dads maybe to get angry or to pop off or anything like that. You need to be careful with what you say. Now, I'm not saying as a dad that you need to, you know, skip the hard discussions. I'm not saying that you don't parent your children because ah, it's just awkward. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be careful. Parents and be careful. See, there's something, there's something is just uniquely, disturbingly wrong about our mouths, and we need to take control of our words, and we need to take control of our mouth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you for these words that you've given us in this teaching and this reminder that all of us, we are terrible with our words. God, help us to be careful with what we say, especially if we are in a place of authority or leadership or anything like that. God, help us to be so careful. And God, we also ask that you would help us to go back and try to try to help put out those fires that we've all started in the hearts of people that we're close to. Most of the fires are within the people that we're the closest to. God, we ask for your help. We need it so much. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.